it's best to record yourself in mono instead of stereo because your mouth is one portal. It's not like your ears that's two. Anything around 4,100 hertz to 48,000 hertz is okay. And um, you can either use 16 bits or 24 bits. Um, I usually say anything more than that for your voice is Asheju. <laughs> but some people use it depending again on what you want to capture. Hi, and welcome to the Everything VoiceOvers podcast. I am T-Code, an African voiceover talent from Nigeria, and this is my podcast, where I take on voiceover topics from an African perspective. My guest on this episode is a professional audio producer, storyteller, podcast producer, and sound designer, Feifei. With her many years of experience producing some of the best-told immersive audio stories from Africa, Feifei walks me through the elements of audio production for voiceovers. Sit back and enjoy this episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Everything Voiceovers podcast, The African Perspective. I'm T-Code, your host, and as always, I bring on this podcast, voiceover talent, experts in the industry to talk about voiceover-related topics for Africans. Today, I have with me an audio storyteller, audio producer, podcast producer, and podcaster who runs an audio production business called 808 Extra Sound. And due to her love for podcasting, she founded a podcast community in Nigeria called Ninja Pod Hub to grow and build the Nigerian podcasting industry. She's a super duper good voiceover talent as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about no other person than Fei Fei. Fei Fei, it's a pleasure to have you on this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Tolu. Thank you so much for having me. And you've been doing a great job with your podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Faye. So for the record, for those who don't know, Faye has been involved in some really dope productions. Obviously, like I read, she has a production business called 808 Extra Sounds. She has done works for Sound City Radio or Ban FM, Correct FM, for Loopify Media, and a couple of other brands that are stellar brands. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about your specialty, which is audio production, because I, I, I realized that many people, we talk about the voiceover thing so much that mm -hmm. we don't talk much about the audio production. So I'm going to be engaging in that. But before I do that, Something I like to do in the podcast for every episode that I bring an African here is I like to understand your name, the meaning of your name okay. and uh, how it's been pronounced. I've known you all my life as Fei Fei. Sometimes, <laughs> I, wonder if, <laughs> sometimes I wonder if that's your real name or if that's mm. a nickname, right? Yeah. So tell me the truth and nothing but the truth. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, Fei Fei. Okay, so the truth and nothing but the truth, right? Fei Fei is a yeah. pet name or a nickname, right? That's not my actual name. And it's a name that was actually given to me by a friend. Her name is Abiyua. We went to university together. Started as wow. a joke and then everybody just caught on to it. So now my family members, everybody I know basically calls me Fei Fei. But my wow. name is Efe. So in full, it's Efe Vero. That means natural wealth, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I've just, I've come to love Fefe so much that, you know, anywhere I can use the name, I just use it. And yeah, so that's how the name came about. Interesting. Efe Vero meaning um, wealth, right? Natural wealth. Natural wealth, yes. Great to have Fefe. I'll stick to Fefe. That's so easy and, you know, very... <laughs> Very cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. So tell me about your audio journey. I don't know how to, I could have said voiceover, I could have said radio, I could have said uh, production, but it's all in the audio space. So let's talk about yeah. your audio journey. How did you begin in this industry as an audio creator? Okay. Um, so my audio journey began when I did my first internship at Cool FM in 2012. Um, I was very keen on working on radio at the time. So when I got the, in the internship to the AIM Group, because that's the name of the parent company, AIM, I got an internship there and I decided, look, I was going to find my way to the radio. 
And then I got to radio and I was in the production department. And I figured I best learn everything that I possibly can here and see what I can make of it. So I did that. And then I went back to school, finished up my computer engineering degree. And I decided, you know what, this computer engineering thing ain't for me. You know, I'm not good at coding. I'm very good with computers, but, you know, when it comes to writing program, understanding all of that, that wasn't my strength. But I'm very artistic, mm. right? Um, while I was in school, I learned to play the guitar. I was part of the choir. We wrote operas. We went for singing competitions, all of that. So I discovered that that was the kind of person that I was at the time and so i was curious about digging deeper into what could possibly be so i started audio cool fm worked on a lot of um voiceovers for them Re started learning how to record voiceovers um, with my own voice and you know getting better at pronunciations and diction and all of that and then from there um, when I was on my NYC as well, I still um, got back to Cool FM. So I was there six months for my NYC. And then I heard about Sound City and Urban Recruiting. And, you know, I just compiled everything I'd ever done for um, Cool FM and I put in like an application and I got the job, you know. And now I got the job as a production assistant and an on-air personality. So it was new territory for me, you know, to go on air and all of that. So um, I actually loved my production work more is what I came to discover. So nonetheless, I juggled both, worked real hard, um, never stopped trying to be better at everything I did. And at, I think after two years or so, um, the head of production resigned and they made me head of production at Sound City Urban and all of that. And I worked there another two years before I left. Now, when I left, I knew I had all these skills in production, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I also had a hard time deciding if I wanted to go back into a nine to five. And the pandemic helped. I'm going to be honest, because if not for the pandemic, I think I would have settled for going back into a nine to five. But mm -hmm. just as the lockdown started, um, someone reached out to me. Um, his name is Wale Aditula, that he had got my number from a friend of mine. And she said I was really good at podcasting and he has a story he wanted me to tell. So I would say that is exactly what launched me into this space that I am now where I hear a story and I know exactly how I want to tell it. Or I have this, I don't know if to call it an itch or a craving for telling really good stories and finding the best possible way to represent the story via audio, right? So that, I'll say that's basically my summary of my journey. I skipped a lot of bits, but, you know, I'm sure I gave the basics of what it is. Yeah, yes, you did. And I'm going to say this before I get to the next question. Cool FM is a really cool way to start your career, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then go from cool to urban, like yeah. you're literally just, you know, doing the futuristic things. So great. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I feel impressed about that. And you. now you moved from just audio production to podcasting, but something mm -hmm. that my attention while you were speaking is the word telling stories so mm -hmm. um it made so much sense and i'd like you to expound on that when you say telling stories because okay. the podcast that you referred to and the, like the many that i also referred to in the beginning of this pod talking mm -hmm. about those stories that you tell and all mm -hmm. it's a lot of things um, a lot of things put together you know, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it now makes the storytelling experience, the quality, exactly. voice of the sound, everything. Let, let's talk about that world of storytelling. For you, mm. what is what makes a good storytelling experience from your perspective as an audio producer? Okay, a good storytelling experience. So I'd say that when I listen to work that is done 
by anybody. What I hear is how well the producer has been able to give my mind everything it needs to understand what is happening, right? Mm. Um, and in essence, for example, some of the pods you listen to, um, my name is AZ Ashrebi, you know, when you have a script like that, where first of all, you are having close to 20 characters, and then you are having a story that was written a couple of years before the current time. There's so many things mm. to take into consideration, right? Um, mm. One of the most important things that I took into consideration or I take into consideration when I'm being presented with a script, especially when it comes to audio dramas, is when I read each page or each or read about each character, what can I imagine, right? Who in my life comes closest to this person or where are some of these places that are mentioned and what are the fundamental elements I can use to represent these places, right? For example, if it's been mentioned in a story that, oh, a football field, I think the first thing that helps every person identify a football field is you hear a whistle and you hear that thud when somebody kicks a ball and then except stated otherwise it's mostly boys or men who are playing the football so mm. that in itself you know helps you to know what picture you're going to paint those are like basics now there are other things you can use to embellish that but without those key elements to paint that picture, then nobody knows, you know, what's happening. So when you have a story in front of you, you have to understand your story. You have to understand each character, right? And then you have to know the key elements that you need to use to tell that story. So that's what I would say, you know, the basic concept of storytelling is for me. Interesting. You just took me through all of those times that I had to figure out what to do when I had this type of jobs to do. Because again, to add to what you said, <clears throat> many stories have a common theme, right? Yeah. If it's love, it's epic, you know, if it's um, tragic and all of that. Mm -hmm. I remember the story you did. That was super impressive. It's one of like the most recent um, productions I heard you on i think you produced okay. it and you were also a voiceover on that story that was the one you and femi biggs were talking it was like okay. a medical scene i've forgotten the name yeah, of that it's called um surgery prep oh yeah surgery prep i, I don't know i stumbled on it mm -hmm. and i couldn't scroll past it i had to listen through to the end it was so good thank you you know i was telling you that we're going to deal with um the production line of voiceover mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. people hear voiceovers they think it's all about just the voice but the mm -hmm. current realities and with the way things are evolving in the industry we're going to have mm -hmm. more people working from home we're going to have mm -hmm. more people having home studios have more people doing freelance jobs which then brings to bear a need to understand how to produce your audio yourself yeah. i'm going to ask you this question you once asked me on another platform mm -hmm. but now i'm not asking you <laughs> on my own platform okay. what makes a good audio can <laughs> you remember that question yeah yes, so tell I me do. what makes a good audio okay what makes a good audio um firstly i would say is the equipment in which you used to record and then the environment in which you record and then the technique via which you record right and yeah. the emotions that you then record hmm. right so um if you do not have the right equipment to record you're already on the wrong side 
right? If you are recording in a space that is not suitable for what you are trying to deliver, because don't get me wrong, anywhere can be a suitable space. Let me explain what I mean. For example, if I'm trying to record myself in the midst of maybe people buying something at a market, right? Mm. And I don't want to fill it in in post-production, then I might as well be in a market and be recording the right thing, depending on what I'm trying to achieve, right? Mm. Yeah, and um, understanding what you're about to record. So if I'm recording um, an announcement for maybe a remembrance or obituary or something that's supposed to be solemn or sad, and I'm recording that, like, I'm telling you to buy one and get one free type thing. I'm already on mm. the wrong side of things. So yeah. there are different key elements, but I think these are just the basic things for what good audio is. Okay. You you mentioned equipment, you mentioned space, you've mentioned mm -hmm. technique, you've mentioned emotion. Let's mm -hmm. keep the emotion part because a lot of voice actors, they are taught this over and over. Let's, mm -hmm. let's get to um equipment technique and space so they say no matter how good your equipment is if your space is not right mm -hmm. you cannot have production so let's start with space so mm -hmm. what are the basics that you think one must consider for mm -hmm. good audio production let's start from there for i mean i'm, I'm talking about the space now yeah right. the space mm. okay so for the space in which you would record your audio, you need to consider, for me, firstly, I always consider how much reverb is in that space, right? Um, how much reverb is in that space? That's one. Two, how much noise from outside could possibly get into that space? So those two things, the noise, how, how can I best get rid of the noise? Would it be by, you know, some sort of installation of maybe different kind of padding or stuff, or I just have to wait for a time of day to avoid that noise. And for the reverb as well, is there a part where it is less? Is there um, any way for me to get rid of that reverb, right? Um, mm. Also, what kind of appliances are in that space? Um, mm. How loud is my AC or my fan? Or is there some constant noise that, you know, is always just there? Can I switch that off? Can I, you know, maybe even try a different room or something? So mm. um, those are the things that I really look out for the space in which when it comes to the space in which a recording is going to be done you know even okay. as as far as the the material that the chairs are covered in you mm. know just in case somebody has to stand and sit when i'm recording or somebody adjusts themselves how much of that sound is going to get into the final product of what's being recorded yeah so so the space has a lot to do with this sound um <laughs> the, the thickness the material around that space all yeah. right so let's let's talk about the next thing which is equipment before we go to technique so different i've seen talents use different type of equipment and personally i would i would not mind um that we use different type of mics as long as we know what those mics are are designed to capture mm -hmm. right so some, somebody uses a lapel mic for a podcast recording well yeah personally i wouldn't mind much but when it comes to voiceovers i am quite um um particular about the kind of mics that they use but but for yeah. a professional like you 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 understand techniques so much that you can still even bring out the best from a lapel mic but for, yeah. for people that are on the basic level, right? Mm. Equipment wise, what are the equipment that you would suggest? Not just the mic now, but generally for us to have the good audio production we're talking about. First of all, a lot of people I know struggle with like a budget and what to get. Um, mm. So 
within your budget, right? Yeah. If, if you decide that you want to, for example, record with your phone, which has an existing recorder, you need to do series of test recordings to ensure that it's giving you a quality that is close enough to what a client can use. Um, because, you know, sometimes when a recording is done, like you've rightly pointed out, um, an audio producer is able to manipulate that recording to sound its best, right? Um, so for it to be a clean recording, you need to test out the basic things that you have. So if you have a phone, try your phone and see what that sounds like or see what you can make out of that. Um, if you don't have a phone and you want to make a purchase, you can start small, right? There are several mics within very friendly budgets that mm. can record a clean voiceover. Um, mm. And I think look more into dynamic microphones than condenser microphones because the dynamic ones tend to record exactly what is in front of them to the best of their ability. Um, mm. Condensers, you know, record a wider range of things. And some of them even have like multi-directional um, recording points, right? Of which mm. if you are not very careful, you would not choose the right settings to be able to record. So yeah. when searching for a mic, read as many reviews as possible for that microphone try to locate anybody who has used that mic listen to what their audio sounds like by using that mic right um so it doesn't matter if it's a lapel if it's a usb if it's an xlr microphone those are not the things that matter what matters is the texture of the sound that comes out of it right and personally i always like to go for what sounds the most natural right because there's some um recordings you get from people i don't know what they may have used maybe a handheld recorder that wasn't positioned the right way and it sounds either muffled or unnatural anything that is unnatural sounding is going to give any producer problems because Whatever you have recorded is what we have to work with. So mm. um, a lot of people do reviews on YouTube, right? If you cannot find any review about any particular product that you want to buy, then you probably shouldn't be buying that product, right? Mm. Except somebody's giving it to you to test it out for free, right? So um, as long as the microphone can give you a clear recording of your voice, then you should purchase that microphone. And this is, you know, talking voice is when people are doing more of maybe recording drums and all of that, that you have to be really specific about the kind of, you know, mics that you buy. But for the average person who just wants to record their podcast, who just wants to record their voiceover in the safe space of their home or their home studio, just look for a very decent microphone anywhere between, let's say, 30K up because... I hear some people say they buy 10K mics and I keep wondering what that kind of mic <laughs> captures. I've mm. never used one. And the thing is, for me, if, you, if you're making a brand out of whatever you are recording, then you need to be very, very deliberate. I think the mics I have are 32K each. I can as well buy expensive mics, but I don't think it's about all of that. If I'm building a studio where I'm trying to show my client that, okay, you know, this place is worth the money, then maybe I can go all out, right? Mm -hmm. But something decent that can capture your voice in the most natural sounding way possible absolutely work hey guys so here is a quick commercial well if you're in nigeria and you're probably just starting voiceovers or wanting to get into voiceovers or you're already doing voiceovers but you need the right quality audio equipment mics monitors headphones audio interfaces and so on coded voiceovers is the plug for you we consult sell and distribute quality audio across nigeria at the best prices 
If you want to make a purchase or find out more, send a mail to codedvoiceovers at gmail.com or a WhatsApp message to plus 234-906-087-8154. Plus 234-906-087-8154. Or just send a DM to us on Instagram at codedvoiceovers. And the best part is, wherever you are in Nigeria, you'll get your gears delivered to you in less than a week. All right, so let's get back to the podcast. Great. Thank you, Faye. Um, you said a lot of things, especially, okay, in my previous episode, I covered some of those things. Um, you can better, with more knowledge as a producer, uh, mm -hmm. understand why you use certain mics and they work the way they do. For instance, when you were talking about the dynamic and the condenser, and you said that the dynamic really captures what is in front of it, while the condenser mm -hmm. captures more of um, what is not just in front, but around, like it's very mm -hmm. sensitive. That's the key thing about the condenser mic. Yeah. And so I just wanted to make a bit of clarification there for the listener, because um, more voice actors tend to use the condenser than the dynamic. While mm -hmm. more radio professionals and podcasters use the dynamic than the condenser, the reason basically is because for 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 radio presenters, for uh, podcasters, they're more they're doing more of conversations. They're talking. Sometimes they talk into each other. Sometimes, as a radio presenter, you're talking and there's a bed in the background or a background music, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, People care a lot about what you're saying. In all these cases, anyway, people care about what you're saying. But in voiceover, uh, there is more emphasis or there's more attention paid to the the, the sound, the voice itself, the, the, the texture, the quality, everything. So more voice talents tend to rely on that condenser because it's able to pick every nuance that the voice produces. And then condensers are designed to work within um, a recording space, like proper booth. A, mm. a dynamic mic can work in an open area, can work on stage performance, can even work in a recording space, right? Like they're dynamic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the condenser yeah. can only, you know, because if you expose a condenser in, in, in a stage, for instance, it's going to capture just many things and you wouldn't tell very well. So I just had to put that clarity. And the reason why, I remember taking some students and I to told them that if if you don't have a proper recording space mm. to begin with, you may want to consider a dynamic because dynamic will give you less stress in trying to clear um, background noise. But let's move on to the technique. And this is where you are an expert. So production technique. Yeah. How how do you go about it? I know that for different types of voiceovers, there are different techniques that you use. Um, if you're going to do um, a radio sweeper, right, um, mm -hmm. or radio imaging, there's some presets or techniques that you use. But if you're doing a normal commercial, there's certain... Tell, tell us about the basic how do you put it together where do you start from when you get a job where do you get your your tracks and everything like hmm. talk to me like I, I i have no idea about this okay um sorry um when i want to work on uh for example voiceovers uh, for a commercial and then voiceovers for um, a radio uh, branding piece or radio imaging. So I first will think of, for example, what loudness level does this radio station transmit on? Um, I know a lot of people don't think of that, but I think of that because it only makes sense if a song is playing at, say, minus 13, LUFS, which is the measure for loudness, and I produce a jingle that is at that level, then I produce something that is um, either louder or the song is louder than you know what I've done. And what happens with that is everything plays at a particular level. Some systems try to like 
do some loudness matching but mm. it's better to know what the loudness standard is so you can produce what you're or you can work on whatever you're working on at that level and generally there are some loudness levels i bet a lot of people don't know that their podcast is supposed to be somewhere between minus 14 lufs and minus 16. they just put out podcasts <laughs> they don't know about that mm. um so i think of that and then for the music and all of that um if music is required you know for radio stations they have licenses to a lot of things so you can get away with using maybe an artist instrumental or any of that but most radio stations have libraries right that they are subscribed to so they have banks and banks and banks of you know unused and unheard of instrumentals so you can just use from that to design what you want to design but as a freelancer i have so many subscriptions um i have a lot of sites where i can buy okay one or two things here because i'm trying to sculpt an exact sound um and those are things that don't forget you need to um factor in beforehand and put in your invoice when you're sending it to clients so you don't run into problems but i mean that aside um you know you you generally have to have a subscription or be a part of a company that has certain type of subscription that can help with building that library and if you want to go online and search for um all these royalty free music and all of that then you can do that too but it's not really what i advise you know um if you're just starting maybe yes but after you've done this for a while it's time for you to start going on sites register and download what you can download from those sites so you can be able to use those for the future right um what you download today you don't know you might need in five ten years so just build a library um another way to build your library of things to work with is sometimes from movies what people say in movies um if you're branding a nigerian radio station that is more indigenous then you need to look for you know words that are said you know to that tone or if you're making a jingle that is pigeon you can have people actually create those things for you you know if you mm -hmm. can't you know spend the time to look for i know a friend of mine who's a producer that does heavy production for stations around the world and there are weeks where the only thing he does before his next project is listen through scores of music looking for phrases that can work with certain jingles. And what this helps to do is it cuts down the time when you have to do your work, right? Because imagine you have to do something and you heard a phrase in one song, one time like that, and now you have to spend time looking for that song before you now find that song and cut it out. So it helps if you already have those things chopped up in a library and all you have to do is search a keyword. For example, if you're designing a jingle for What's Up Lagos, for example, and you have, 20 different places where Ludacris or Will Smith has said, what's up? Then you can just pick from there as opposed to you start looking for, you know, what you need to do. So building a library has helped me so much over the years. And to be honest, I never stop. Sometimes I download so much that I feel like, oh, I must have everything by now. But a project comes and you realize there is still something that you need to go search for, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, not every uh, radio ad needs, you know, how will I say it? Bish, bish, and bang, bang. Because sometimes I hear, <laughs> yeah, I hear some radio ads or some radio jingles, and the producer has just put so much impact hits for nothing, <laughs> for absolutely mm. nothing, you know. So you have to have, you know, that basic understanding of sound design. Okay, I'm using a swoosh to transition from this song to this song. I'm using mm. um, a punch or an impact to maybe highlight when somebody says, oh, um, Tolu is back on air. You know, there's a punch mm -hmm. behind that. Okay, that makes sense. Not just welcome, boom, <laughs> and today, boom. <laughs> what is the Exclusion. issue? <laughs> you know, everywhere. So mm. you have to start like, building your mind as such when you are an audio producer so anytime i'm faced with work i need to do i think okay it, am i doing this for a pop station am i doing this for a talk station am i doing this for an urban station a contemporary hit radio station 
what kind of music does this station play? What kind of feel does the station have? How loud are their jingles? Do they have a loudness standard? If they don't, what is the loudness standard generally for radio jingles, right? You should always put yourself in that position where you are using international standards for your work, right? That is going to help you mm. a lot. Wow, this is this is a uh, very insightful. A few things you mentioned that I, I didn't even, um, I, I've not really observed before now about the radio loudness and a couple of things like that. But now let's even talk for those who are starting off, like the basic basic for people who just want to do a proper voiceover and get it delivered to the clients. They don't really mm -hmm. know much about all of those extras. Mm -hmm. When they get their door, let's use, for instance, the uh, Adobe Audition. What are the most important effects or tools for them to learn that they should mm -hmm. learn, you know, to, to create very good sounding voiceovers? Okay. Um, when you get your door, I think one of the first things that you should know is how to connect your recording device to your door. And it's usually under preferences. So you have to fiddle with that and find the exact way to connect your recording device with your door. If not, you think you are recording with your mic, but you're probably recording with your computer's inbuilt microphone, which is not the best. Um, another thing you should know is that um, it's best to record yourself in mono instead of stereo because your mouth is one portal. It's not like your ears are two. Uh, so it's best to record your voice in mono. Um, anything around 4,100 hertz to 48,000 hertz is okay. And um, you can either use 16-bit or 24-bit. Um, I usually say... Anything more than that for your voice is a schedule. <laughs> but um, some people use it depending again on what you want to capture because those ones capture a lot more than the others. So people who use 32 bits usually record like um, outdoor sound, ambience, and all of that because of what they're trying to capture. But 24 bits, 16 bits should work fine for your voice. Um, you should know how to do basic editing. So even if you decide you want to give your um clients three different takes um you can edit the takes to sound like you know a run through as opposed to all your retakes in between um and then you can send that to your clients except you know sorry my chicken is that to take in um <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> um you know except editing is oh god Except editing is not <laughs> sorry. Except editing is not a service that you offer, but it will help you to know how to edit. Mm. Sorry, I don't know how long it's going to be doing that we're until I go outside. We enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, what else should you know? You should be able to do a basic noise reduction if you need that. Um. I know Adobe Audition has a feature called normalize, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That could help you as well. You don't need to do too much. Do what you know. Anything you don't know, just leave it, right? As long as you've not promised your clients that you are a producer, you've told them that you're a voice talent. So you can normalize just a little bit. Um, mm. And yeah, that, that's it really. Try to save your files in Wave as well, as opposed to MP3. I think those are the things I would Great. say. Great. Like, um, those are really, really important points that you mentioned. Just to add to the normalizing, I would also in include um, compressing. So, because compression helps to balance the loudness or the loud parts with the low parts and just kind of put the 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 sound or you know the, the wave in some sort of similar uh db right so compression to is uh it's 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 a good place to good thing to learn good technique to learn let's the, the last thing i would in, engage Sorry, can i say in. something there yeah go on please 
Okay, so for the average person, I do not really recommend compression because I know that some producers today that are good even still struggle with attack and release time for for compression. That's why I chose mm. normalize because it kind of does the same thing with an automatically inbuilt, you know, attack and release time. But if you know how to work that, it's also a great tool. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You, 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 you were spot on there. So the last thing I would, I would put you to, um, to answer for us is now that we've spoken about the product, the, the recording, right? The tools to use in recording. Let's assume that whoever is listening to this now understands how to use those tools. Making that work a finished product goes through the process of probably mixing, depending on what type of job it is, and mastering. Uh, I, I asked this question in one of my previous episodes, and I'm going to put it to you again. Mixing and max mastering, what are the differences between both? And what's the process of mastering for you? If there's a tool that you use, aside your regular door, if there's a, a plugin or something, you, you may want to plug us into that. <laughs> okay. Um, so mixing and mastering, for me, the, my basic understanding of mixing is being able to balance the volume levels of all the files in your production so nothing is overshadowing the other mm. um and then also if you are what's the word now okay working with different audio pieces you also want there not to be so much disparity between the way they sound um and you want them to sound like okay they are all the same file-ish. So you use a bit of EQ to manipulate here and there, the ones that sound too cloudy or the one that has too much high end, you know, just to shape the sound and all of that a little. Um, mm. And yeah, for me, mixing is mostly volume balancing. And I try to mix my audio files um, at a certain um will i say at a certain peak or loudness and let me explain that right mm. um there's something called headroom um headroom is it's like creating space for you to work if you start mixing your files that are as loud as maybe minus eight lufs or files that have their peak that's the highest level at say minus three db you don't have much yeah. room to work with before you get to zero and then distortion starts. So mm. I start working on my files anywhere from minus 18. So when I have all the files I need to work with, the first thing I look at is which ones are really loud. I can put all the loud ones on, what tra on one track, depending on what they are. Um, and those are like dry files, put them on one track. Um, I just arrange them in order of either how the peak is or how loud they are and then i adjust to the volume that i want right when it comes to already mixed and mastered files i don't add anything else to those files right and i put them on different tracks as well like say music for instance or an already produced um bed music bed um i don't add any eqs to those ones except i'm trying to create an effect I don't add any compression to them. I just leave them as is because it's like doing the work twice. Like it's already been mixed and mastered. What are the chances that you are not going to add damage to this track with what you want to do? Mm. So, um, yeah, that's actually really important. Like putting things on tracks so that you'll be able to know exactly, you know, what is being applied here or there. So mm. the only thing, because this is me personally, other producers, you know, will do as they like. The only thing I put on my master track is a limiter, right? So I've mixed everything at a fine volume or peak of say minus 18 dB. And let's say by the time I'm done balancing, everything sounds great at a minus 10 dB. I can now use a limiter 
to bump it all up to minus three dB, right? Mm. Depending on what I'm trying to achieve. So that's for me right now, the difference when it comes to mixing and mastering. I know that, you know, with time I could learn a lot more about mastering, but I don't overdo it with the mastering. In fact, I play more during my mixing stage than at my mastering stage. So that's it for me. Great. Um, I think I need to add this, just like you've said in the last uh, statements that you made, you don't overdo it. Because Mm -hmm. to someone that is a novice at this, is listening to all what we're saying, and it sounds, first of all, like rocket science, and the person thinks that they have to do this and do that and do put all of this thing. Uh, From experience, I think less is more, really. As long as you know what exactly you need to do, just do it. You don't have to apply all of the effects. They're not necessary. Sometimes it's clean. You know, uh, I have a friend who uses some very sophisticated microphone and he says Mm -hmm. his recording, raw recording is so Mm -hmm. good that he's confident enough to send it to clients sometimes. And that's, that happens, that happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm just, I just had to put this out there, you know, because people shouldn't, you know, overdo it when they're trying to, to produce. So we've we've had a great conversation so far. And one of the things that I know people will be curious to know is, okay, so we're hearing mastering, we're hearing compressing, we're hearing normalizing doors and all of that. How can we learn all of these things? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you teach and I don't know if, or you can recommend certain resources that people can learn production. If you have mm-hmm. them, if you have answers to that, kindly you know, state them for others to learn? Okay. Um, so I am putting together a few courses, hopefully to start before the year ends up until sometime in the middle of next year. Um, but aside that, there's, the internet is a crazy place. There's so many things you can find on the internet that can help um and for each individual production is not the same um my ears my taste when it comes to production is not the same as the next producer um over time i have learned by asking people who i admire their work lots of questions i've also learned by exposing myself to um constructive feedback you know, sometimes as a producer, you might have this huge imposter syndrome that you don't want to hear the truth about the work that you've done. I don't think it helps. Um, Another way you can learn is when you, you can search for a lot of people who do production work, um, um, not just in Nigeria, but in fact, to, to, to give good advice internationally, and when you work on stuff, play it against theirs and listen for the disparity, right? Not even in the um, creative side, no, just the mixing alone of it. Like, okay, mine sounds like this. This person's own sound like this, right? What could possibly be the problem, right? So when you can, you know, identify those differences, then you find someone who you can ask questions as, you know, that has enough time to help you answer your questions. And then with the professor's response, you might hear a thing or two that can send you down a rabbit hole of um, learning, right? Read about EQs, listen to videos about EQs, listen to videos about compressors, listen to people who um, either do write-ups or or YouTube videos on like voice chain, um, so many things. A lot of these people do stuff about music. So you may be like, oh, it doesn't concern me. But listen, every once in a while, you might find something that works, right? Um, wow. You can buy books. Like, to be honest, if you want to make a career out of this, you have to invest in yourself. There was something you said earlier that I forgot to answer about plugins and all of that. I pay monthly for the software that I use. Um, that's because I can't afford to buy it yet, but I will buy it eventually. Um, mm. I've bought so many um, plugins and it's just, I'm setting myself up to be as professional as 
compatible. So when anybody in the world asks me, do you use Pro Tools? Oh, yes, I do. Do you have Waves plugin? Oh, yes, I do. But also remember that these things didn't happen in a day. So um, from reading online, knowing what people are using, finding books, you can check torrents. There might be some mixing books somewhere that would just help your life and it's free on there. Um, get books, read, listen, compare your work with other producers' work that you admire. See if you can reach out to those producers. Um, for plugins, only buy when you started making money. Find as much free plugins as you can and explore. Just keep exploring, right? Um, so those are the things that I would say that can help you as a producer. Oh, great. So thank you so much, Faye. I mean, it's been a great conversation about audio production. And I know some people think at this point, you're just into audio production, but you do voiceovers. I had to put that out there. So you can also reach out to yeah. Faye. You can also reach out to Faye for your voiceover works. Um, far to know this much about audio production, you can imagine how good she would be able to do quality voiceovers. So Faye, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. Um, if there's any advice you would give to upcoming, I think you've even done that already. But yeah. then, then for voice actors, right? If there's any mm -hmm. advice you give for voice actors, maybe something you think voice actors should uh, pay attention more to, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. can state it now. Okay. And um, for voice actors, I would just say, use the accents that God has given you. If you don't have another accent that the client is looking for, simply say you don't have it. Um, learn how to pronounce words correctly. Like even me till today, I still learn. Like there's so many resources online that help you pr pronounce stuff correctly. Um, learn how to breathe correctly when you're taking your lines as a voiceover artist. And if you're doing proper voice acting, just remember to get in character. That's all. Great. Thank you so much, Faye. For those who would like to reach out to you for jobs or whatever it is, where and how can they reach you? Okay. Um, my handles are across social media platform. I am the Faye Faye. So F-A-Y-F-A-Y. -A -Y -A -Y. Then I am the, like spelled correctly, no abbreviations or anything. Also, that's my email address. Uh, I have a website. I am thefeifei.com. You can check me out there as well. Uh, reach out for collaborations, anything, anything. Let's talk. We're building a, a tribe of great audio producers out here. All right, guys. So you just heard it from Feifei, one of Africa's finest audio storytellers, producers, podcasters, the founder of the Ninja Pod Hub. And she has a whole lot that she has been doing for some time. I'm going to be dropping the links to some of our works in the description below. Uh, you can read more. You can learn more. Take the advice she's given on this podcast. And I see you guys on the top. So uh, from me to you, I'll say keep voicing, keep learning, and keep winning. Till next episode, I remain T-Code and I'm saying bye. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, leave a comment, and tell someone about it. Follow the podcast on everything videos on all social media platforms. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. This podcast is a Coded Voice of Us production.